All right, are you ready for the word today? Keep your Bibles open, your notebooks ready. I'm going to continue talking about the cross and understanding what happens on the cross because that is the heart of the gospel. And by understanding what happened on the cross, we also understand the heart of God because God's love is demonstrated on the cross. The cross is the key to understanding the heart of the Father, the love of the Father, the essence of the gospel, the main message that we preach. Because Paul says, wherever I go, I preach Christ and him crucified. That is my main message. It sounds like foolishness to the world, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Amen. Christ is the power of God. Christ is the wisdom of God. We do not need to have any more additions to the message we preach to the world, whether by philosophy, by intellect, or by human education, because the power that brings salvation to men is not in human wisdom. It's in the simple message of the cross. And we have to humble ourselves, that we let go of our own human intelligence, the wisdom of our own words, and we focus a message on Christ alone. Amen. Hallelujah. That it is focused on His work, on His person. And that is what will bring salvation in the hearts of people. That is what brings power in the lives of people. Hallelujah. So we are being trained for spiritual work. It is not natural work. It's not organizational work. It's not company work. It's spiritual work. And therefore, the weapons that we must be expert in are spiritual weapons. Hallelujah. And the only weapon that can touch the hearts of men and bring them to the knowledge of Christ is the gospel, the love of God, the grace of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So this is the wisdom of God. Why? Because the gospel is a message from God. It's a message from heaven. This is the wisdom of God. That in the simple preaching of Christ, in the simple releasing of the love of Christ, the revelation of Christ, God draws the people to Him. So even though the world may demand really philosophical message, really intellectual messages, and there's nothing wrong if you have the ability, you have the training to be able to communicate at that level. There's nothing wrong. Because all of us need to communicate at the level where we are. Some communicate at intellectual level. Some communicate to businessmen, to people in uh, government and so on. Some communicate to poor people because that's where the ministry is. Rural places, city places, university areas. Amen. However, however we communicate, it must be a message that's focused on Christ. Amen. Okay. So the cross is a place of the goodness of God revealed, number one. Secondly, the cross is a place where there's freedom from judgment. So that was the point where we were yesterday. Freedom from judgment. Go back to Luke chapter, John chapter 12. John chapter 12. Verse 31. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all to me. The word peoples, or in some translations, the word men, was added by the translators. This he said, signifying what death he would die. 
The death that Jesus died is the judgment for the sins of all mankind. The death that he died is to receive the condemnation for our sins. Now, let me connect that to Romans chapter 8. Turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. Because we have been going through the book of Romans. So wherever we go, we want to bring it back to Romans because Romans is a very systematic presentation of the gospel. And we want to be able to logically present, as Paul did, even from the book of Romans, what we are seeing here in John chapter 12. Romans chapter 8 verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Right? It is impossible for a believer to be condemned. All right? Verse 2. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So, verse 2 talks about some laws that were in operation. Keep that in mind because we'll come back there. Verse 3. For what the law could not do. What could the law not do? Come on, tell me. The law could not set us free. The law could not give us salvation. Right? Try to connect with what I've taught in the past. What could the law not do? Come on, someone else tell me. The law could not give salvation. The law cannot make us righteous. The law cannot give us life. See, the type of the law in the Bible is the stones. Because the Ten Commandments were written on stones. Right? What's the type of the new covenant of grace? Jesus says, I am the bread of life or I am the stone of life? He's bread, okay? The type of the new covenant is bread. Stone is the law. How many of you can eat stones and live? Very simple. Right? Stones cannot give life. Only a living being. That's why grace came through Jesus Christ. The law came through Moses. But grace and truth comes through Jesus Christ. Alright? So if you go to church on Sunday and the preacher is preaching a message of the law, he's throwing stones at you every Sunday. That's what happens in some churches. You go to receive bread, right? Now when you go to church on Sunday, you aren't going to receive bread. But if the preacher comes and preaches a very legalistic, law-based message and tells, because you didn't come to church, God is making you sick. Because you're not giving tithes, God's making you sick. What is he doing? He's throwing stones to his sheep. So guess what? You don't want to go back next Sunday. Because you don't want to get stoned again. And you go back home. Oh, painting. Oh, painting. See, you must be a giver of life. When you preach, when you minister, you must be a giver of life. You see, you must be a baker of the word of God, the gospel, the bread of life. Can you see? For what the law could not do. Now, the law could not do because the law was bad, inferior, made in China. Oh, because of what? Come on, tell me. Come on, answer back. It was weak through the flesh. Not because the law was bad, but because man had a sin nature. Man was not able to walk in the perfect commandments of God. Man had no ability to be holy and righteous before God because we were born in sin. Good. So God did what the law could not do. The law could not save. So God did. God did what the law could not do. Did you get it? By sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. So Jesus came in the flesh. On account of sin, 
because of sin, capital S-I-N, which is talking about the power, the thing, not the actions of sin. Are you following me? On account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. So who condemned sin? Come on, tell me, who condemned sin? No, the word he there is referring to God. Who condemned sin? God condemned sin. Your sin. How many of you have done something for which you feel so embarrassed about, shameful about, if your friend were to come and tell everyone, this is what she did, you would hide under your chair? Come on. How many of you have done things in the past you are ashamed of? Can I see your hands? That sin has been condemned. Condemned means paid for. Jesus paid for it. Amen. That means even the shame of that sin is gone. You should not hold that shame in your heart. Shame is a big stronghold, especially in tribal cultures. Indian culture. Shame. Because of shame, the faith of people are not able to be bold. We're not able to speak freely. We're not able to exercise the gifts upon our lives. We come on the stage, we feel timid. We feel shameful. We're always thinking of what we did in the past. But because sin has been condemned, come on, say, sin has been condemned. There is therefore now no condemnation upon our lives. Do you see the connection here with John chapter 12? Amen. So the death that Jesus died was when he was judged, when he was condemned as a criminal. Condemned as a criminal. That's why the Bible says, wake up everyone, no time for sleeping. That's why the Bible says that he was chained and taken as a criminal by the high priest and the Romans. He was condemned as a criminal. Even though he had never done anything wrong, he was not guilty at all, he was condemned. Why? He was taking our place. Died as a criminal. To redeem us from the prison. The prison of sin and death that we were in because of whose sin? Your father's sin? Who sin? Adam's sin. Good. Now you're getting it. Okay? So, what did God judge? On the cross, there was judgment, right? God released His judgment on the cross. What was judged? We need to know that. Alright? So what was judged on the cross? Sin. Good. So sin nature has been dealt with by the death of Jesus Christ. What else was judged? Also our sins, right? What else? Now is the judgment of this world. Now the... Now is the judgment of this world. Now the... Huh? No. We just read it. John chapter 12. Now is the judgment of this world. Now what? Look at John chapter 12. The ruler of this world will be cast out. The ruler. The ruler of this world was Satan. He'd be cast out from this position as the ruler of the world. What is that? That's a judgment. Cast out. He cannot accuse you anymore of your sins before God. Because Jesus paid for your sins. Now, he can still accuse you and deceive you. And you can believe in him. 
But his ability, his authority to accuse us has been destroyed. Because of the sacrifice of Jesus. Alright, pay attention, alright? What else has been judged? What else has been judged? Death, alright, good. Death also has been judged. The final victory of Jesus over death, over all mankind, is because of what Jesus did on the cross. What else has been judged? Huh? Mankind has been judged. Because judgment means separation also. So those who believe are with God. Those who don't believe are already condemned. Amen. The word judgment also means separation. Did you know that? A decision. Hallelujah. Are you with me? Okay. What else has been judged? If sin has been judged, which is the root, then... What came as a result of sin is also judged. What is that? Every curse. What else has been judged? If Satan has been judged, what else has been judged? All the powers of darkness has been judged. That's what Colossians chapter 1 turned there. He has delivered us from the power of darkness. What is that? Past tense. Past tense, right? The past tense of the gospel. He has delivered us from the power of darkness. When did this happen? Can you say? On the cross. Because sin has been judged. Therefore, the power that sin had over our lives to bring darkness has also been judged. Amen? Hallelujah. So, guess what? All of you have been judged. Galatians chapter 2. Turn there. Do you know that you are already judged? You are judged. And the day of your judgment is also the day of your freedom. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Somebody quickly read it out. Amen. I have been crucified with God. What is Paul saying here? When Jesus was there on the cross, look at me here. You can just take the scripture reference down. When Jesus was there on the cross, Paul is saying, I was there. I have been crucified. The old man, the sin nature. I've been crucified. Now, when Jesus died on the cross, what was happening? The judgment from God for the sins of the world was coming on Jesus. So, were you on the cross? I just said you were on the cross. They're saying, no, you're not. Were you on the cross? Yes, you were on the cross. Don't think in natural terms. But I'm here, pastor. Don't think. This is called the doctrine of identification. This is how God identifies us. This is our union with Christ. Now, when Jesus was there on the cross, were you there? Were your sins there? When God judged the sins on the body of Jesus, were your sins judged? So, have you been judged or not? Yes. If you have been judged for your sins, you cannot be judged again. That means, for the believer... There is no fear of eternal damnation. 
for the believer, we have a living hope. Not a dead hope. You are there on the cross. Your old man is there. I have been crucified with Christ. Amen. So, you have been already judged. Your old man has died. And when you believed in Christ, the new man was created in you. Who is this new man? Christ. Christ. A new creation, right? Christ. And the new creation, God calls righteous. God calls forgiven. Are you following? See, you got to bring the connection between this and also Romans chapter 6, Romans chapter 7. What is Romans chapter 6 saying? You all man is dead, right? You've already gone through it. You don't have to go there. Romans chapter 6 is saying, your old man has died. The body of sins has been taken away with. So that you are now alive unto God. You are freed from sin by the death of Jesus on the cross. So consider yourself. Use your brain. Think. The Bible says consider yourself. Reckon. Imagine. Believe that you are dead to sin. That means your sin nature is gone. And you are alive unto God. You have a new nature. A new nature. So that's why it's so important that what you see in Romans chapter 6 and Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 6, what do you see? You are dead to sin. Romans chapter 7, you are dead to the law. Come on guys, wake up. Romans chapter 7 says what? Your old husband is dead. And that husband that used to criticize you from morning till evening about everything you did. That husband that was never satisfied with you. Because that husband is a perfectionist. Perfectionist. You did nine things right. And you miss one thing. That husband is going to accuse you. And condemn you. Every day. How many of you want to be married to that husband? Huh? Did you know you were all married to him? Including the men. How were you married to the law? Because of sin. Because of sin. The sin nature you had, right? Are you following? The sin nature you had, God gave the law. God gave the law to what? To show you, you have sin. Everyone was married to the law. Because the law condemned. The law accused. The law brought death. The law said, you're never good enough. No matter how much you do, you're never good enough. Even if you pray and fast for 40 days, one day, you did not do properly. So you're still disqualified. So we were married to the law. The law condemned us. The law Accused us. The law cut us down. The law said, you cannot, you cannot, you're disqualified. So the sin that was in us, the sin nature and the law, were working together against us. Putting us in this prison. Look at Romans chapter 8 verse 2. 
Can you read it? Anyone just read it? For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free. Everyone say free. Underline the word free. Free from the law of sin and death. See, there were two laws in operation. Even right now, do you know these two laws are in operation in the lives of men? For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. That means the law of sin and death was a prison. It was a law. It's a law. You cannot come out of this prison. The law of sin and death. What does the law of sin say? Romans 5 verse 12. Because one man sinned, all men are born in sin. The wages of sin is death. That's the law of sin. You cannot come out of this prison. You cannot come out of this kingdom. Have you watched some horror movies where people are stuck in a room, they cannot come out? And they're trying to come out. But they cannot. People cannot go in and they cannot come out. And they're shouting and screaming. Have you seen those kind of movies? That's this prison. The law of sin and death. Even the law condemns. The law kills. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Look at verse 6. Who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, which is grace, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills. The letter referring to the law, right? Beneath the word letter, write the law. Beneath the word letter, in Romans chapter, um, 1 Corinthians 3 verse 6. I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians 3 verse 6. Beneath the word letter, in verse 6, write the law. The law kills, but the Spirit gives life. Can you see the connection between this verse and Romans 8 verse 2? Right? Look at verse 7. If the ministry of death written and engraved on stones. What was written on stones? The law. And what is that called? The ministry of death. Do you want to be the cabinet minister of death? Well, the law was a cabinet minister of death. Written and engraved on stones. So, the law of sin and death. For one man sinned, all men are born in sin. If you keep all nine commandments and you break one, you have broken the whole. The law condemns. The law says man is a sinner. Man cannot be righteous by their own strength. So the law of sin and death, which comes through the law and the sin of Adam, has confined all men in this prison called sin. Having a sin nature that you can never come out of this prison. It's a law from God. So the only solution was what? In the country of India, if you want to change some of the ways the country is functioning, you have to 
go to the parliament, pass a new law. When the new law is passed, it is greater than the old law. Did you follow? Yes. God is a God of righteousness and justice. Whatever he did in the gospel, the message of grace, he did righteously. He did through justice. So God released a higher law. Everyone say higher law. And that's the law of the spirit of life in Christ. And God says, whoever believes in Jesus will not perish in the law of sin and death, but have life. God released a greater law. Now, our role is to be in that law. It's a law. God is not a man that lies. It's a law. It's law means it works all the time. Do you know that the constitution of India works everywhere the borders of India is? You go to Kanyakumari, it works. You go to Andaman Nicobar, it works. You go to Mizoram, it works. You go to Kashmir, it works. Because it's the law of the land. Amen. So this law works every time. John 8 verse 32. Can someone tell me? What is John 8 32? Anyone knows? And you shall know the truth. And the truth shall set you. Ah, what is the truth? Truth is a legal fact. See, you shall know the truth. The truth of what? You shall know the truth. No, no means have knowledge. You shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. You shall know the truth. You need to know the truths of the gospel. You need to have knowledge. You shall know the truth. Because this is a new law. When the slaves in America did not know that Abraham Lincoln had passed the freedom of slavery. Because the slave owners did not tell them. Time for the message to go to the south of the country. There were many people in slavery when they were already declared free. So they had freedom, but they were not free. You shall know the truth. So it's not about trying to produce freedom by your own strength. You go to many prayer houses in Nagaland. Many people are like, ah, what are you trying? I'm trying to be free. Right? They're trying to be free. How? By putting their striving and their flesh into their spiritual activities. But, what is the Bible saying? You shall know the truth. And the truth will set you free. You see, people are trying to clean themselves spiritually on the inside, right? Because we are dirty on the spirit, not on the flesh. But we're trying to clean our spirit, man. In a sense, we're trying to feel pure. We're trying to feel righteous by the amount of our prayer, the length of our prayer, the days we fast, the way we beat ourselves. People whip themselves, shed their own blood, thinking they're forgiven of their sins. So people are trying to do all those things to be free, free from guilt. Free from condemnation. Free from shame. But you find that you get more guilty. 
You're bound in more darkness. Because this is a legal truth. You shall know the truth. The truth will make you free. The purpose of prayer is to seek God so that we know the truth. Are you following me? You shall know the truth. You shall know the truth. The moment the slaves, wait a minute, this says we are free. Then boldness came, they came out of the plantations. You shall know the truth, the truth will set you free. The water will make you clean. You cannot clean yourself. So come to Jesus, who is your water? Come to the Word. Because the Word is water. Are you following me? Amen. So, the judgment of God. Everyone look here. The cross is a place of judgment where this prison was judged. And the judge of the universe passed a higher judge. Judgment. The law of spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Sin and death has been judged. Judged. Hallelujah. Number three. The cross is a place of death. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 9. I'll go pretty fast right now. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 9. But we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death crowned with glory and honor that he by the grace of God might taste death for everyone. Amen. Christ died in our place. He died in a place as us. So you are dead. That's why Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ. Your old man is dead. See, you must, that's why look at Romans chapter 12. I'm just jumping here and there, but I want to bring the connection. Look at Romans chapter 12. Verse 2. What is he saying? Do not be conformed to this world. Do not think like this world. Do not be in the mold of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of? Okay. So what do we need to renew? Yeah, but with what knowledge? Huh? What truth? Huh? See, Paul did not write Romans 12 by itself. Romans 12 comes after Romans 11. And comes after Romans 10. And then 9, 8, 7, 6, 5. So what do you need to renew to? You need to renew to what he said. In the past. Are you getting it? Because that commandment to renew your mind is not by itself. You cannot preach it isolated from what Paul taught in Romans 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. Romans chapter 3. The law cannot save you. The law is given for the purpose of revealing sin. Renew your mind to that truth. Romans chapter 4. You are declared righteous by faith in God just like Abraham. Renew your mind to that truth. Romans chapter 5. By one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. Renew your mind to that truth. It's not by my words, by what Jesus did. Romans chapter 6. We are dead to sin. Your old man is gone. 
It's no longer about your actions of sin. It's about your nature. There is sin and there are sins. Sins come because of sin. But God has dealt with sin. The sin nature you have is gone. It is destroyed. It is annihilated. Can you say amen? And now you have a new nature called the righteous nature. You have a new nature called God's nature in you. You have a new nature called purity. Holiness. Holiness is not only what you do. Holiness is who you are. Can you say amen? You have a new nature. You're dead to sin. Renew your mind to that. Why do Christians fall back into sin? Because they don't renew your mind to the truth. That the sin nature is gone. It's destroyed. Where do mangoes grow from? Mango tree. Where do lemons grow from? Where do sins grow from? Sin tree. But the sin tree is destroyed. Yes or no? Now you have a righteous tree. But your mind, the problem is your mind. Your mind still thinks you're connected to that sin tree. And so according to your faith and your belief, you begin to live your life. So you begin to identify yourselves with your actions and your behavior. You're born again, you're enjoying God, but then you sin, you sin, you sin. You feel more condemned, more condemned, more condemned. After some time, you lose the joy of your salvation. You start struggling with sins, just like Romans describes in Romans chapter 7. The things I want to do, I cannot do. But the things I don't want to do, I do. He's talking about struggling in the mind. You don't have two natures in you. You have one nature. The Christ nature in you. Can you say amen? But you need to renew your mind to the fact that now you don't have the sin nature. That means even if you should by mistake gossip. Of course, no one gossip by mistake. But I'm just trying to be very kind to you. If you... Smoke, drink, and you feel guilty. And if you get involved in drugs, and you do something, you feel guilty. At that very moment, you must declare, I am righteous. I am the child of God. Hallelujah. You must live from your new nature, not the old nature. Can you say amen? So renew your mind to this truth. Romans chapter 6, you are dead to sin. You are no longer in sin. You are no longer in sin. You are not in sin anymore. Because sin is a person, a place, and a thing. You have been delivered from the place of sin, the nature of sin, and now you are in righteousness. So yield, think, your members to righteousness because you're under grace. Yield your members to righteousness and you will sin not. Do not yield your members again back to the sin nature. Are you following me? Amen. You must yield. Yield. The authority is given to you. You have to do it. It's your responsibility. It was natural for you to sin because your whole life you had a sin nature in you. But now you have a new nature. When you renew your mind to your new nature, it will become natural for you to have righteous works. And the fruit unto holiness. Holiness is a fruit of believing this truth. So, Romans chapter 7. Paul says, you are dead to sin. And now you're dead to the law. Your old husband is dead. And now you're married to whom? Come on, who are you married to? I know you all want to marry. Who are you married to? Come on, who are you married to? You're married to whom? Christ. But you're married to Christ where? Here. In your spirit, man. 
You have a new husband. You have a new nature. You don't have to live the old way anymore. Now you can live the new way. Paul is talking about this frustration. I want to do this, but I can't do this. Who shall deliver us from this body of death? Glory be to God. Jesus Christ, who is your new husband. Amen. And therefore, Romans chapter 8. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. What is Paul saying? Renew your mind to these truths. And you will be transformed. From the inside to the outside. Whoa! Glory to God. Can you see it? Not just renew your mind to this promise in Proverbs, to this promise in Psalms, to this verse in Revelations. No! There is a progression of truth. He's building from Romans chapter 1 till Romans chapter 12. And he says, therefore means with all that I have said in the past, renew your mind to these truths. So you need to renew your mind to this truth. One. See, you have to think opposite. It's like very difficult. Right? I'm dead. Yeah, you are dead. But I'm here. But you were on the cross. When Christ died, you died. When Christ rose, you rose. It's called identification. It's called union with Christ. That's a message of the gospel. That's why you know that gospel is not just for believers. Not just for unbelievers. It's for believers. It takes time to understand the gospel. The brain. Study a little bit. The Holy Spirit has to bring revelation. Death has been judged on the cross. Which means this. The death that you should have died because of sin, eternal damnation, has already been judged on the cross. And you, believers in Christ, will never be eternally condemned. And you say, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. You're dead to your own nature. You're dead to sin. You're dead to the law. When you see the cross, don't only see Jesus there. See yourself there. Paul says, I have been crucified to the world. And the world has been crucified to me. In Christ. On the cross. Dead. You are dead. You're dead to sin. Pastor, I feel like gossiping so much. No, you are dead to sin. Don't talk about your feelings. Walk by faith. You're dead. Amen. You are dead. A dead man is not provoked by a bottle of whiskey. Go and put all the Alcohol you can find in Kohima to the cemetery and put it there. Dead people will not rise up. Hey, I can smell alcohol. (laughs) You are dead to sin. You are dead. And the word sin means the impulse, the power, the principle that makes you sin. You are dead. You are righteous. Renew your mind. I am righteous in Christ. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. The next point. Number one, the goodness of God. Number two, Judgment, freedom from judgment. Number three, the cross is a place of death. Number four, the cross is a place of justice, mercy, and grace. Justice, mercy, and grace. See, when you see the nature of God fully, who is God? God is love. But there are also many other attributes of God. God's a spirit. God is omnipresent. God is omnipotent. I've, 
I've taught you that, right? So we see all the attributes of God. God is a God of justice. God is a God of mercy. God of grace. So we have all the attributes of God. God is perfect from every angle you look at him. And God's also love. So when God manifests his love, he does so righteously in justice, in grace and mercy. So all the attributes of God always flow together. And that's why he's perfect. All right? Now, the cross. Why is the cross the power of God and the wisdom of God? Because in the message of the cross, we see the justice of God, the anger of God, the holiness of God, the righteousness of God, the goodness of God, the mercy of God, the wisdom of God, the power of God. All of it is displayed on the cross. Amen. It's not just a simple message. Because I've seen some preachers say, oh, yeah, the cross is a simple message. But after you preach the cross, you've got to start preaching faith. You've got to start preaching Holy Spirit. Because those are more... They're not getting the truth of the gospel. The cross is not the place of weakness. It's a place where all our strength comes from. All our victory comes from. And it's not just an isolated message of what happened on Calvary. The cross covers the beginning of the Bible to the end of the Bible. And every revelation of prosperity and faith and authority, it comes through the cross. You take out the cross... And there is no Christianity. There is no connection between authority, faith, healing. There's no connection. Amen. So the justice and the mercy. Justice is what you deserve. Mercy is you're not getting what you deserve. What is grace? Grace is to get what you don't deserve. And the purpose of grace is to empower you and to lift you up. Amen. So on the cross, we see God give judgment on our sins. That's justice. And at the same time, give mercy to the believer because Jesus took the justice of God on his own person. So at the same time, he can give mercy to sinners. And at the same time, God can give grace To those who believe in him. So God does not save us because he has lowered his standards. In the Old Testament, the law. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But in the New Testament, ah, let's change it. That was too harsh. And God just begins a new system. No. Even in the cross, we see the law fulfilled. Remember Jesus said, I did not come to destroy the law but to? Fulfill the law. Jesus was born under the law. And Jesus was the only man who fully kept the law. He fulfilled the law. All the righteousness of the law, Jesus kept it. So that God's justice was satisfied. God is appeased in the sacrifice of Jesus. So justice, mercy, and grace. That means he forgives us justly in righteousness. Because Jesus was judged for my sins. Amen. Let me show you Psalms 85. Turn to Psalms 85. Psalms 85, verse 10. Mercy and truth have met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed. 
What does it mean? Mercy and truth have met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed. Do you know why we have peace through the cross? The message of grace? It is not a feeling peace, an emotional peace. God just says He loves you. No. The peace that we have, the peace that I have that I will not be condemned for my sins is not an emotional peace that comes from God's emotions of love. No. It's a righteous peace. Did you follow? When the highest judge of the universe says, not guilty. Because every single sin is paid for by the blood. Every single sin is forgiven. And the demands of justice have been met. What is that? That's righteousness. And out of that righteousness, there's a declaration of peace from God. There's a declaration of forgiveness. There's a declaration that we are justified. That means the peace we have is sure. Can you say amen? It's not a peace that, oh, soft music, good friends, not bad friends, no gossiper, pork. Ah, I feel so peaceful. You know, that kind of peace can disappear in a moment. Right? We're talking about the peace that is so sure because it is established in the court of heaven. And that meets where? On the cross. On the cross. Mercy and truth have met together. Mercy and truth. Kissed together where? On the cross. God's forgiveness of our sins were not turning a blind eye. Putting a dirt under the carpet. The mother ignoring the son's faults. The son, the father lying for the son. No, it's, it wasn't like that. Everything was done in truth. Everything was done in righteousness. And at the same time, there was a release of mercy and peace and grace. And all of that meet at the cross. Turn to 1 Corinthians First Corinthians chapter 2. Look at verse 6. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So if Satan had known the true the apparent weakness of Jesus dying on the cross. A man dying on a cross. He would be defeated. His power over man would be destroyed. He would not have crucified Jesus Christ. But he did not know. Which also gives us comfort. The comfort meaning Satan does not know everything. He has limited knowledge and understanding. He functions in a limited sphere. Did you follow? Satan did not know. Why? Because the wisdom of God was hidden in the cross. The death of Jesus. It was a wisdom that Satan with all his demonic angels could never investigate and find out. 
He thought he was a smart guy. He was celebrating on Good Friday at 3 p.m. At 4 p.m. He was celebrating. God functions at a higher level of wisdom and understanding. Now that is revealed to us on the cross. And even in the way we believe the cross. You see, the law of the spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. The law of men, what does it say? And Satan you against us. What does the law of men say? If you want to be, you have to have good works. If you do good works, you become, right? So if you want to progress, you have to have good works. The law of men, right? According to your flesh. So Satan uses that against us and he whispers to us like he came to Jesus. If you are the son of God, come on, tell me. You never read that in the Bible? What did Satan tell Jesus? If you are the son of God, turn this stone into Bread, do, to become. Doubt in his mind. You are not yet, so to become, do. So the Satan comes and tells you, you are not righteous. Now, of course, he will not come and tell you, and you hear his audible voice. He will put thoughts. And the thoughts are like your thoughts. Ah, I'm not righteous. So to become righteous, I have to do this work. Read the Bible, pray, fast, religious works, usher, to become righteous. Because you want to pray for healing. But you feel like, ah, healing. I feel like I'm not qualified yet to ask God for healing. So let me do this first in order to be healed. But the Bible says you are already healed. So he makes you fight for what you already have. He makes you try to do to get what you already have so that you cannot get it. Because God gives by grace. Freely. Are you following me? So Satan operates in the realm of works, the flesh. But the wisdom of God is this. If you believe in my son, you are out of that prison. How many of you suffer with addictions? Do you know that by believing, you're free? We think, ah, oh, Addictions. Addiction is different. Oh. To get salvation is easy. Just believe in Jesus, raise your hand, you're born again, right? But being free from addictions, you gotta try really hard. That's what you think, right? Hey, deliverance from addictions is in the blessing of salvation. You just renew your mind. You are free from that. If the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. The promise in your mind, you think you're not free. You're free. You are free. The law of the spirit of life and the law of sin and death. How does the law of sin and death operate? Come on, think. How does the law of sin and death operate? The law kills, right? Adam and Eve stretched their hands to the fruit and they ate. They did something and they fell from grace. The law makes you do something to be righteous, but you are falling from grace. Alright? So the law of sin and death operates from the doing. You guys are very confused. 
How many of you got born again the moment you believe in Jesus? The moment you believe in Jesus, did you get eternal life? How did you get that life? By doing or believing? Believing. The law of spirit of life is activated by believing. Believing. How do you get Zoe life in your body to walk in health? Believing. Believing what? You are healed by the stripes of Jesus. Believing what? The Spirit of God lives in you. Amen. Believing. 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 But sometimes, because we are so trained in the ways of the world, we think believing is not enough. I have to do something. If you are the Son of God, turn this stone into bread. Believing. That's the wisdom of God that is hidden in the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power. The gospel is the power. The good news is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who, come on, everyone who, everyone who believes. That's the wisdom of God. Hidden in the gospel. That Satan doesn't want you to see. Because he wants you to be distracted by, I got to do this. I have to be qualified. I have to be right. I have to be perfect. I have to be good. He makes you always focused on your self-worth. Your self-qualification. And not on Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. The cross is where we see the wisdom of God. Point number five. The cross is a place of peace. Place of peace. Colossians chapter 1, very quickly. I'll just give you the scriptures. Colossians chapter 1, verse 20. And by him to reconcile all things to himself by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Um, specific place, the blood of his cross. That means the specific place where the price was paid is where peace is brought. It's a place of peace. Let me show you another scripture. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 16. Ephesians 2 16. Ephesians 2 16. Let's read from verse 15, all right? Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is the law of commandments, contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two. So even the flesh was an enemy to Gentiles. Um, not, not the flesh, the law. Because the law separated the Jews from the Gentiles. But God, in Jesus Christ, abolished the law of commandments, contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. And that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and to you who were near. For through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. The cross is a place of peace. It brings people together. It brings people as one in Christ. Jews and Gentiles together. God and men together. 
husband and wife together. Enemies and friends together. Enemies and enemies. Cookies and mightiest can only have peace through the cross. Amen. It's the cross. What is impossible for man is possible in the cross. And that's why Christians are called peacemakers. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19. That is, the God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. God the Father and sinners have been brought together by the death of Jesus Christ so that there is peace. Amen. Peace. Point number six. The cross is a place of love demonstrated. Romans chapter 5 verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Demonstrates. The word demonstrate means to show, to manifest, to prove when I was a young pastor, I was so insecure that I would pray many times, Lord, I really want to know you love me. And to prove you love me, Lord, send more people to church tomorrow. Ah. So I'm looking for confirmation of God's love for me in my circumstances. So more people come, ah, God loves me. The problem is next Sunday, it was raining. Raining heavily. So half the people didn't come. God doesn't love me today. Because people did not come. When we see rainbow, oh, see, rainbow, it's a sign God loves us. The problem is, you don't see rainbow every day. So tomorrow, God doesn't love you. So if you're looking for signs in nature, signs in circumstances, signs from people's acceptance of you to prove to you that God loves you, you will have unshaky foundation. Up and down and up and down. So how do I know God loves me? There is an eternal, permanent, perfect sign. And we miss it so many times because we are looking for feeling love, but this is covenant love. Covenant love is not a feeling. Covenant love is a sacrifice. Jesus died. He sent his son. You know what that means? Every day you can live in this faith. God loves me. God loves me. God loves me. When all your friends have left you, you are in the ICU, thank you, Father, that you love me. When you are in jail like Paul, I rejoice in the Lord because he loves me. You have no money, God loves me. Because the friends of Job came and told him, see, you are sick. God doesn't love you. He's left you. Curse God and die. Curse God and die. Curse God and die. I was reading the testimony of a pastor in the Philippines. Very famous pastor. He was saying his daughter was raped. A pastor's daughter raped. Famous pastor. So after that, the first thought that came to his mind was this. Leave the ministry. Why should I serve God when this happens? The thought that comes to Job, curse God and die. Because when you go through these times, you lose the sense here because of the pain and the darkness that comes into your heart. You lose the sense of God's love for you. You lose the sense and the awareness and consciousness of God's love for you. 
You feel rejected. You feel shamed. You feel, I mean, like everyone is trampling on you. And in those moments, Satan can come. Because Satan prepares us for this. He doesn't come every day. Did you know that? If your screen is blowing at night, it's just the wind. Don't cast the devil out all the time. <laughs> he doesn't come every day. He comes in the opportune time. Even Satan did not come to Jesus every day. He came at the right time. When Jesus was down in the garden of Gethsemane. That's when God, Satan came. So Satan comes in those dark moments of our lives. So what did this Filipino pastor do? He has to go back to the word. God loves me. God demonstrates his own love for us. That while we were just sinners. Christ died for us. That's it. It settles it. God loves me. Set your mind on things above. Where is this demonstration of God's love? On the cross. Christ died for us. Did Christ die for you in Bethlehem? In Nazareth? On the Sea of Galilee? Where? On the cross. So God's love actualized on the cross. That cross is a sign God loves me. God loves me. God loves me. It's a demonstration of God's love. Hallelujah. 1 John chapter 4 verse 10. Just write down the scripture reference. We'll not go there. See, in the same way that Abraham gave Isaac to God, right? That is the type. You know the server in Genesis? God comes to Abraham and says, Sacrifice your only son, Isaac, right? Right? Let's go there. Let's go to Genesis. I think it's in Genesis 20, 22. Genesis 22, verse 1. Take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. Okay? So this story is a type. A type means there is a message hidden here, a secret message. This story is actually revealing a greater truth. A type of what? The gospel. What the Father in heaven did for us in Christ is revealed in this story. Isaac was the only son of Abraham and the son whom Abraham loved. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And when Jesus was at the Jordan, the father said, this is my beloved son. Can you see the parallels? All right. Now, Abraham goes up with Isaac. Isaac carries the wood himself. Jesus carried the wood up to the cross, up to the mount. Abraham is there. Isaac is there. Abraham is about to. A voice comes. Abraham says God will provide for himself, right? A ram for a burnt offering. So God provided himself. Do you know that this is on the same mountain range as Calvary? The same mountain range. Isaac went up the same mountain range. Jesus went up the same mountain range thousands of years in the future. Okay. And the ram that died in Isaac's place is actually Jesus Christ. He's the lamb of God that died for the sins of the world, right? Okay. Now, I want you to look at verse 12. And God said to Abraham, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. 
This is what God says in response to Abraham sacrificing Isaac. So now, turn it around. When the Heavenly Father sacrifices Jesus on the cross for us, what do we say? Say what the Father says. For now I know. Say it. For now I know that you love me because you did not withhold your son, your only son, from me. Ah. When you see the sacrifice of your father, you respond by saying, Now I know. Now, by seeing, I know. Right? So many boys will come to us and say, I love you, I love you, get married to me, get married to me. But, only the boy that comes with Scorpio. <laughs> right? Bringing chicken and pork and vegetables and fruit for your mother. When you see that, you will say, now I know. Now I know. You got to see something to know. Remember when Joseph wanted his father Jacob to come back to Egypt during the time of famine? He sent 10 camels full of the goods and treasure of Egypt to go to Jacob to bring him back. When Jacob saw the food, Jacob saw the camels. When Jacob saw the riches of Egypt, Jacob believed. Now I know my son Joseph is alive. When you see the resurrection, you believe you are forgiven of all your sins. Yes or no? Says. So when you see the cross, now I know. Not only God loves the world, God loves me. You have to personalize it. Take the magnifying glass of your faith, put it under the cross and say, God loves me. Be selfish at times. God loves me. Not my neighbor. God loves me. Of course, he loves your neighbor. But when you adrenalize it too much, you lose the power of that message. God loves me. Amen. Point number seven. The cross is a place of righteousness revealed. Romans 1.17, we know that in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. All right, look at Romans chapter 3. Romans 3 verse 22. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption. So whenever you see the word redemption, also understand this is the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation, as a hilasterion, as a atonement, a appeasing sacrifice, right? By His blood through faith to demonstrate His righteousness. Ah, demonstrate His righteousness. On the cross, God demonstrates His righteousness, His justice. His justice to condemn all your sins in the person of Jesus. He punished your sins. Because in His forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time His righteousness that He might be just. He's a righteous God. He's a righteous judge. And therefore, He was just to punish your sins. In the body of Jesus. So that he can be just. 
to justify you of all your sins. So that He is just to bless you, to heal you, to deliver you, to make you a new creation, to pour out the anointing on you, to pour out His Holy Spirit on you. Why? Because you are better than other Christians? Because you are charismatic and the Baptists, they are not deserving? No! It's all by grace. Everything He does, He does justly. Because somebody paid the price. All you have to do is believe. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus is activated by faith. Amen. If you have been blessed through this podcast, we invite you to partner with us in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ from Nagaland to the nations. We make all our series available for free, but it does cost us time, effort, and money to do. So the support of people such as you will enable us to reach more people in more regions. Remember, when you give, the Word of God says in 2 Corinthians 9.8 that God is able to make all grace abound towards you. That you, always having all sufficiency, all things, may have an abundance of every good work. If you would like to support our media ministry on a monthly basis or through a one-time gift, kindly write to us at faithharvestnagaland at gmail.com and visit our website www.faithharvest.in and you can go to the giving section. You can also give through this UPI ID 700 at Paytm. God bless you and thank you so much for your generosity.